Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will finish our Monday through Wednesday Genesis series. This message and previous messages are available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's some highlights from this week's messages. When God presents the gospel to any lost sinner and says, it is your choice, you can go to heaven, it's your choice, he means it. He has given to that person the power to choose. God asks the question, will this man choose darkness or light? Now here's Tom Cantor as we finish our Monday through Wednesday Genesis series. God honors the decision that man makes. There's no such thing as God making decisions for another person. God brings each person into the world and he looks to see what is his decision for either the light of salvation from his sins or the darkness of self-righteousness. And that decision is recorded just like with Adam naming the animals. And it determines, that decision determines whether a person will have a destiny of heaven or hell. Just that simple. The more we realize this, the more we will try to influence people to make decisions to choose God's salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our job is described in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. When you look at the word ambassador, you can substitute the word influencer, persuader. So you can say this verse, we are influencers for Christ. We are persuaders for Christ. Just like God was pleading with the lost, we plead with the lost also in the place of the Lord Jesus Christ to be reconciled to God. Let me ask you, how did it go for you? How did it go for you this last week in your influencing and your persuading some lost person to come to the light that they are a sinner and in need of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because we want to, number one, rule in all of life, not make God mad. Number two rule in all of life, make God happy. Number three rule for all of life, take God seriously. And then, then, so therefore, you and I are going to embrace the truth that this earth is a sorting place. We're going to come to that. Every day we're going to come to this conclusion. I am entering the world of a sorting place. It is a filter place. It is a testing place for souls to make their decisions for or against God's salvation light, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will work for the lost to be saved, even when it is hard. And sometimes it's very hard. Like this last week, a Jewish friend of mine, he prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He went home, he thought about it. I think his wife helped him also to think about it. And he told me this last week, he has decided to turn back, turn back. That's a heartbreak. As hard as it is, I said to myself, I will work to persuade. I will work to influence. I will work as long as there is breath in the lungs for them, for him, for others to repent and to not turn back before it's too late. Because when it's over, it is over. Now, we look at the fruit tree. And now we come to the creation of the seed. 
Genesis 1.11. And God said, wonderful words, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb, uh, green vegetables, yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. It was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb, yielding seed after its kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after its kind. And God saw it was good. You know, God set up this system of the seeds. And there's two characteristics about the, the, the seed. Let's talk about f- fruit tree seed, for example, as stated here in verse 11 and 12. First, it says, and it's repeated three times, after its kind, after its kind, after its kind. God faithfully made each tree or the grass to produce seed after its kind. You know what you never see? You will never see an apple tree ever produce a papaya tree. After billions and billions of apple trees, you think that if an apple tree could ever make a papaya tree, that once out of the billions and billions there'd be a papaya tree. But there's never been one. Never been a papaya tree that comes from an apple tree. No one's ever seen an apple tree ever produce a papaya tree. Johnny Appleseed didn't see it for all of his plantings. No one has ever seen it. Why? Because God said that each tree will produce a seed after its kind. That's a problem for evolution because evolution, there's never been a mutation either observed naturally or induced artificially where an apple tree will make something other than an apple tree. Every seed will make the tree after its kind. What's the second characteristic of the fruit tree? It's stated in verses 11 and 12. Fruit whose seed was in itself. When God created man in verse 27, he gave to man instructions. What food did he tell him he could eat? He told him that in verse 29. God gave to man, here you go, Adam, this is good food. This is herbs and greens. These are vegetables. These are fruits. And he says, this is, he calls it meat. I wouldn't call it meat, but that's what God called it. He called it meat. He didn't bring him a T-bone steak. He didn't say, Adam, now this is meat. He said, these fruits and these vegetables are herbs. This is meat, meat for you. And so Adam, Adam didn't know any better. You didn't know anything about T-bone steak. It's like Dr. Contreras in Mexico. He asked me, he says, what will it take for you to go on a serious diet and become a vegan? And I sat there and for a minute I said, I should, be, I should go on a serious diet and become a vegan. And Dr. Contreras has just asked me, what will it take for me to become a vegan? So I said, just one word. And I looked up at him and I said, death. <laughs> now picture the scene. God put the trees in the garden, and let's say God put one orange tree in the garden, and, and he would put one avocado tree. And Adam loved the oranges. Oh, he just loved for the, he didn't like the avocados, but he loves the oranges. So Adam eats up all the oranges off the one orange tree, and then Adam says, uh, God, can you make some more orange trees for me? I, 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 I want to have more oranges in, in the garden. So what does God do? He looks at him, and he says, did you understand what I said? He, he would have said to Adam, the fruit of the tree yielding seed. He said, Adam, I put the seed for you inside the fruit. To get more f- trees like that, you gotta, it's like the prize in the Cracker Jacks box, Adam. Get the seed. Go get the seed. You know, that little irritating thing you kept spitting out? Go get it, Adam, and plant it. Now put yourself in Adam's shoes. You've never done this before. First time. You've heard this. You see this big fruit tree. It's created fruit tree. Big fruit tree. It's in the garden there. And you want more of those nice big fruit trees. And you don't understand why he has those irritating little hard things in the fruit in the first place. But, and you want more. And you kind of think, and, you, and, and you, so now you've got a decision. I've never seen this happen before, Adam could say. But 
somehow this irritating little hard thing, God said, it's a little tiny little thing. It's a big tree over here, but there's like a little tiny little seed here. And God says, if I put that in the ground, it's going to turn into that, that huge tree. You know, Adam could sit there and he could, he, could, he could argue with God. He could say, no way. You're pulling my leg. I should plant this little tiny thing and it's going to become that big thing and I'm going to eat trees. He said, no way. Because you've never seen it before. But what happened? God says, remember three principles. Adam, don't make God mad. He told you. Adam, make God happy. Do it. Adam, take God seriously. He told you. So, so, what, so in other words, we want to say to Adam, 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 we've seen it. We've seen it. It really does work. Believe God. Plant the seed, Adam. Plant the seed. You know, we go to people. We tell them, if you receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, when you die, you will go to heaven. Never, they've never seen it before. Just like Adam. Believe what God said. Take him seriously. Because you and I, we're like Paul who said in Acts 27, 25, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. That's what faith is. Believing God as he told it. He said, confess your sin. Come to him as a sinner. Throw open the door of your heart. Receive him as your savior. You'll be forgiven. You'll be a child of God. You'll live forever. Believe it. Just like that. What? What has he told us? Hebrews 9, 27. It is appointed unto men once to die. After that, the judgment. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned, that's the blanket statement, and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack, concerning his promise, as some men count slack, slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How many is God willing to slip through the cracks? None. How many does God want saved? All should come to repentance. Acts 2.21, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Whosoever American, whosoever Ethiopian, whosoever Japanese, whosoever Tanzanian, whosoever Eskimo, whosoever Mexican, whosoever anywhere, God says, anyone, call on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. Just like with Adam. Are we going to believe that? Plant the seed, Adam. Call on the name of the Lord. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Luke 8, 5. A sower went out to sow seed. Luke 8, 11. Parable is this. The seed, it's the word of God. It's the word of God. Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word, God says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, he says, it won't return to me void, but it shall accomplish that for which I, I, I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Like Adam, we not only need to believe what God said about the seed, 
to get more fruit, about the seed of the Word of God. We need to plant it like Adam. Not just believe that it can happen, but do it, plant it into the hearts of people. Because if we believe that God is not willing that any should perish, then we will take on God's anxiety for people that are perishing and are unnecessarily going to hell. Let's, this, let's today resolve with all of our heart to be like Adam. Picture ourselves for the first time. We got the seed. God told me, plant the seed, I'll have the tree. Let's be like Adam. We got the seed. It's called the word of God. God says, plant the seed and people will be saved and it will accomplish. Let's do that today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for calling us to be your holy influencers, your holy persuaders, Lord, to get the lost, to decide, to follow the instructions in the word of God, to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so they can be saved from their sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom, you quoted today from 2 Corinthians 5.20, where it talks about God beseeching or begging. Is that really the picture that the Bible paints of God? A begging God? You know, it is. And that's the astounding thing about God, because what you read in Romans 10.21 toward Israel especially, and Israel, as it's been said, Israel is just like any other person, only more so. And that's how God views the Jewish people. Really, he addresses all man first to the Jew first, but really he's addressing all men. But especially here in Romans 10, 21, he says, but to Israel, he saith all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and a gainsaying people. These words, these words are describing God. He's saying all day long, nonstop. I have not just held out, I've stretched forth my hands to a disobedient and a gainsaying people. And when he, he said that in the book of Isaiah, when he was still behind the veil, the veil that was split when he came as a babe and the angels said, that holy thing that shall be born of you, He's going to be the son of God. And when he, was, when he came and his name was Jesus and he stood himself in person there before Jerusalem, the same one who said all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and a gainsaying people, the same one stood and stretched forth his hands to the city. And he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Matthew 23, 37. There he was. God knows how horrible hell is. God knows the great cost that it took to open heaven. God knows all of this, and what does he do? He begs. He pleads with man. 
Be reconciled to God. Why will ye die? The voice of God is calling. Why will ye die? Reecho in his name. Jesus has died to save from sin appalling. Yes, he is a pleading God. Tom, uh, there is such an emphasis put on the importance for man to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Is the issue all about man's decision? You know, sometimes because there's so much, as you said, emphasis put uh, to man is, uh, you know, receive the Lord, receive him today, receive him now, and uh, come just as you are without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And there's so much emphasis put on man that really, as you just said, you can get a very distinct distorted feeling that this whole issue is just all about man. It's all about man. Will I decide? Will I decide not? Will I decide now? Will I decide later? And all the emphasis on man. But really and truly, the issue is not about man's decision to be reconciled to God. The issue is God is willing to be reconciled to man. That's the issue. God is willing to be reconciled to man. And when you see that as the issue, then what we do is we run to God to be reconciled to him because we understand that this is a wonderful opportunity. God, who did not have to, but is willing to be reconciled to man. God, who did not have to, but paid such a price to open the door to be reconciled to man. God, who did not have to, will take defiant, rebellious, defiled sinners who turned their back on God and rebelled against God. And God was now saying, I am willing to be reconciled with man. And because of that willingness, and when we get that willingness in our mind, then we say, of course we should be reconciled to God, because the issue here is that God is willing to be reconciled to us. Tom, for some of our listeners, they might feel totally inadequate when it you know, comes to witnessing personally to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is the Bible's answer for when, you know, we feel inadequate to to be a witness for God? You know, it's very, very natural. I mean, after all, what the verse that we've been reading, it says we are ambassadors for God. It's not saying we're ambassadors for the United States, great country as it is, not ambassadors for England. We're ambassadors for heaven. We're ambassadors for God. So, of course, we very, very naturally can feel inadequate, absolutely inadequate, like, who are we? We're going to be a witness for God? We're going to be an ambassador for God? And so we need a verse. And the verse is 2 Corinthians 3, 6. And it says to us, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. You see what that verse says? It says that The point in the issue is not our inadequacies. That was Moses' mistake. Remember, he looked at himself there and he said, I can't speak. I'm not a good orator. You you made a mistake. You should go choose somebody else. And God had to say to Moses, I'm sorry, Moses. Maybe I forgot, but who made the mouth? As a matter of fact, who made your mouth? 
And so Moses really, the problem was Moses was that at that point he was looking at himself and he's saying, I don't have, I'm not able, I am not, I don't have. And see, that's what led him to stumble. And it was offensive to God because it was actually saying to God, God, I know you called me. I know that you're God, but God, you made a mistake. You know, you really don't know me. And God had to say to him, I know you, Moses. I know how inadequate you are, but I am adequate. I am adequate where your inadequacy. When your inadequacy ends, my adequacy starts. And so when the Bible says, as it does here in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, that God has made us able, that means God has made us able. And so, for example, when the, where it says that, God, that we are ambassadors for God, then this verse tells us, and God has made us able to be ambassadors for him, ministers of the New Testament, the new promise, the new covenant. But then he goes on to explain. He says, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. He mentions the Spirit. The Spirit is all important. He says, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. The moment that we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, God does with us what he did to Adam in creation. He breathes into us the breath of life. And that breath of life is the Holy Spirit of God. The gift that he gives to us at the moment of our conversion who will be with us for eternity. And that Holy Spirit of God is not only the Holy Spirit of life, he's also the Holy Spirit of ability. Because with him, we are able. Through him, we are able. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. That is the spirit of Christ who strengthens me, that I can do all things, and he gives me the ability where my ability stops. That's encouraging to think that God has made us able ministers. But Tom, what would you say about when a person feels discouraged to see their witness and invitation not received when we present the Lord Jesus Christ to someone and they turn it down. You know, there's examples that God has given to us in nature that help us. They help us in an area that doesn't come easy for us, doesn't come easy for me, and that's patience. We need patience. And there's a psalm, wonderful psalm, Psalm 126.6, and it says this, He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bearing his sheaves with him. This is speaking about the seed. You know, my wife's a gardener. I'm not a gardener. And so I set up a chair outside and I watch my wife garden. And she, I watch her as she prepares the soil. And she will put in all the nutrients for the soil for whatever she's planting that time. It might be beans and it might be tomatoes or whatever. And I, and, I, and I watch her put these seeds in there. And then after she's planted the seeds and prepared the soil and put the dirt over it and, and watered it, then to me, she just seems to neglect it because she walks away. And my first inclination is, well, let's go back. And she explains to us, there's nothing to do. We have to just wait because right now it's going to be the seed that's going to do everything. And if we, if we try to do anything right now, we could, we could actually harm the process. So she, so she taught me by watching her about the seed, the action of the seed. 
And so what this verse is saying is that when we go forth weeping with our heart in it, where why are we weeping? Because we so much want people to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're bearing precious seed. What's the precious seed? That's the word of God. That's the gospel. The Bible says we will doubtless come again and we'll be so happy and we'll see that the seed has brought about fruit. So when we give the gospel, when we give our witness, when we lay out so clearly God's plan of salvation and extend on behalf of God, God's invitation for salvation, we have to say, you know what we just did? We planted the seed. We prepared the soil as best we could. We put the seed in. And then when we walk away, we view ourselves as baking the dirt and covering the, covering the seed over, patting it down, and then what's our confidence? Is our confidence in the person? No. Our confidence is in the seed, that the seed is going to do its work, and that this person, we believe, is coming to Christ because of the seed. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as we continue with our Thursday and Friday series on the Tabernacle. Now, do you have a Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel? Or do you know of a Jewish person that you've encountered that needs to be reached? Would you like to give them a gospel gift? Well, we can send one to them directly. And you can contact us directly by phone and we can help you to do it. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. Once again, that's 1-800-247-3051. You can also find more information on how to reach lost Jewish people by going to Israel Restoration. You can also find information at friendshipwithgod.org, as well as today's message and previous messages, which are available for free download there. Thanks for joining us this week and today. Continue to join us on Thursdays and Fridays this month as we continue to study the tabernacle. We'll see you tomorrow at the same time.